Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR and Uprise Radio are produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge their unceded sovereignty. We live and work on stolen land. We stand in solidarity with Indigenous leaders, past, present and emerging. This episode of Uprise Radio will include discussions about police violence, incarceration and family violence. If this is triggering for you, please tune out now. Violence, and indeed carceral violence, in so-called Australia is woven into the very fabric of the settler colonial state. From its inception with the violent invasion of the land, partly to make way for the convicts who were sent here as part of a program of punitive transportation, and to the continued violence committed against First Nations people at the hands of police and against people of colour, women and trans and gender diverse people, the punitive elements of the state and the justification of the prison industrial complex seem integrated into the national psyche. The 2019 and 2020 budget saw the Victorian government commit $1.8 billion to increase prison capacity and fund key initiatives to reduce crime and keep Victorians safe. Unquote. However, despite the surge in the number of people, particularly women, being incarcerated over the past two decades, crime rates have been dropping significantly. On the flip side, the report just released by the Australian Institute of Criminology has found that shootings at the hands of police are higher than they have ever been since the beginning of recording 32 years ago. In the two decades from the year 2000, the number of incarcerated women has more than doubled. As such, as part of the budget allocation, almost $189 million has been designated to upgrade the Dame Phyllis Frost Centre at Ravenhall. Changes to the Bail Act has resulted in an increase in people being held on remand, people which in the DPFC make up a majority of incarcerated persons. The Age reported a few weeks ago that 44% of Victoria's 7,227 prisoners were on remand, that is, imprisoned while in waiting trial and sentencing. Corrections Victoria has allocated funding specifically to address the pressure on the system as a result of the increased number of people on remand. Today is the second part of a two-part series exploring prison abolition. We are joined today by Sarah, a campaigner for Homes Not Prisons. Homes Not Prisons is a campaign calling on the Victorian Government to stop expansion of the Dame Phyllis Frost Centre and reallocate the budget for the prisons to public housing to provide housing first and support for the criminalised women and their children. Welcome Sarah. Thank Sarah, thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. 
Are you able to just introduce yourselves for the listeners today? Yep, so my name's Sarah. Um, firstly, I want to acknowledge that I'm speaking on the lands of the Wurundjeri people um, and that lands um, were never ceded. I am also on the steering group, um, steering committee as a lived experience woman of criminalisation um, for the Homes Not Prisons campaign. Thank you. And th- yeah, again, thank you for joining us. Um, so, as we know, and as we just briefly spoke about, and as what with Homes Not Prisons, and we've in, had some discussions before today, uh, we've spoken a little bit about the, ba- the changes to the Bail Act a few years ago, and how that has yep. impacted on uh, people being held on remand in prisons, you know, which has led to this huge increase in uh, people being in prison despite not actually having any uh, have not been sentenced necessarily or gone through the trial process. So I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about the situation with the changes to the Bail Act and the ramifications of those changes. So as we are aware, there was a a violent offence that had taken place in 2017 at, with the Burke Street um, killings. Um, and that had seen the bail laws change Um to pretty much anyone who's facing court needing to, you know, show exceptional circumstances in order to get bail, um, which is the same level of having to show the same level of having to show, you know, when if you're facing murder um, or terrorist charges. Um, so, you know, you're seeing people who are being. Um, you know, incarcerated on remand for very low level, even medium level, like very low level offending, um, mostly survival crimes. Um, and yeah, and and the impact is horrific as, as also, you know, the COVID pandemic um, has seen a lot more of um, more delays in court proceed, like proceedings and know the outcomes for people to be able to be you know released um i also know that there was a decline and decrease of um people being you know incarcerated during the covid pandemic um though that is starting to rise again Mm. as as we are aware yeah sarah i wonder if you could talk a little bit about the feeling of being in prison for a long time on remand or um, await, sorry, like a, being denied bail or waiting to just have your case heard or awaiting sentencing and, and whether that is something that like demarcates people on the inside, whether they've been sentenced, to, sentenced or not and, and kind of how it feels from a psychological perspective to be imprisoned and, you know, without a conviction. Yeah, so the feelings, and I know this is, this would be a very, like I'll be talking about it broadly as well because I'm sure most, many people who experience, you know, being incarcerated and being on remand and and stuck inside the prison walls um, also experience very similar psychological, emotional um, harm. You know, that's what it is. Like prisons are not deterrents. They do not, does not deter. It in fact inflicts further harm. You know, and um, psychologically, like, you know, it's not just 
you're being stripped from everything. You're being placed into a place where you're, you're forced to comply, to conform and just become a number. You know, you are no longer a human being, you know, and you could be in there for the most, for stealing on a, a chocolate bar or something just so petty, especially with the bail laws not being able to be that strict that nobody is able to really leave court and receive bail or be bailed even through the police because the police now are just handballing it over to the courts for the courts to make that decision, which is the courts are just placing people in, in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I forgot what, what, what part of the, another part of the question. No, <laughs> no, I think that says enough about prisons and the damage that they do. I, I know that your campaign, Homes Not Prisons, you know, draws a direct link between you know, the stripping of funding from social services and we see in this ballooning prison budget. I think recent reporting just said the prison and policing budget has increased to around $4 billion, you know, doubled over the last decade. Mm-hmm. And we have the biggest police force in the country now here in here in Victoria. And I, I wonder if you could talk a bit about the link between housing specifically, you know, perhaps how, yep. you know, what impact that's had on your life or you know, other women that you're working with? Because um, I know it's specifically about, as Mercedes said, the Dame Phyllis Frost Centre as well. Yep, so the campaign has been established due to the fact that the DPFC, the expansion of DPFC has been the, the you know, the foundation as to why the campaign has started in the first place. Though, you know, as we know that money is not being, you know, like, $4 billion could provide many houses, you know, public houses. So, you know, to so many people who, like, there's so many, if there's 20,000, there's a 20 year waiting list for public housing. Like, it just shows the, the, the dire need and the, you know, the need for housing, public housing. Like, we know that cost of living is actually just continuously increasing. We know that people are becoming more and more poor. You know, like, the, like, everyone's just, those who are working are really working to to live and those who don't have jobs are literally living to survive do you know so like n- unless you're already at the top you you're really everyone's just really trying to make ends meet and trying to do whatever they can to make ends meet um you know and with housing like they have brought out so many different types of housing you know they've got the community housing social housing affordable housing but the one housing that 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 housing is still making money and still, you know, for people who are up here still, like the top level, like people of upper class, you know, what we need to see is that public housing is being, you know, built, used and putting, placing people in there so people can still live lives, don't have to resort to survival crimes and stuff to put food on the table for their families. You know, I... And, you know, the amount of people who are homeless who are, are incarcerated as well and and not and another barrier to bail is the fact that they don't have a fixed address. You know, that was my story as well. I didn't have a fixed address and that was... And that became a higher reason for me to go be on remand than it was because I had nowhere else to go. You know, so that's... And that's a lot of... That's a story of many other women and many others, you know, that don't have don't have a home being incarcerated due to that being being a problem and like and that's not where it stops you know like if without a home you can't have a job without a job you can't get a home you know like a home is a where you're supposed to feel safe 
secure, stable, and know that you can put your head down at nighttime and wake up the next day without having to continue to, you know, fight each day, trying to find somewhere to stay, putting yourself in situations where you're being sexually, physically, mentally, emotionally, financially abused, you know, and, and with all that, you know, substance use, you know, abuse is, is, is prominent because of the fact that like <laughs> trying to get through each day, you know, and, and trying to get through the mental health side of things and the, you know, it's a, it's a constant battle. It doesn't just, one thing does not lead it. It's like a whole, you know, the comorbidity. Like a comorbidity, whole, yeah. What's yeah. your housing situation like now, Sarah? So I experienced homelessness for about, from the age of 14 to 28, like ongoing recurring homelessness, like that looks different throughout the times. Um, but I always ended up homeless. I do have... I have been blessed to have my own rental property now. It is, I am blessed to have my own rental property now, but that doesn't mean that I can afford to, to really live here. You know, like my entire, like Centrelink pay goes to here. You know, I'm currently a student um, studying a degree and, you know, for me, like I'm lucky with a job opportunity that was given to me, but without that, I wouldn't be able to, um, I was like out of here, I'm homeless again. You know what I mean? Like that's my reality, but this is why, you know, but but I was very lucky to get this place, mm. you know? Um, and it, and it, was, it wasn't through the, the proper process. It was through not what you know, it's who you know kind of thing, you know? So, but that's, there's a barrier, you know, for so many women because of criminal records and, mm. you know, not being able to get, be given a chance and like, you know, they could have served their time, done their time, even been sentenced, remanded, constantly battling the system, constantly going through that, which is also serving time when you think about it, because like, you know, how much more consequences and, and damage and punishment can somebody, you know, incur, really? And that, you know, that, and that follows people around, um, you know, for years and years and years trying to move forward and, and you know, the stigma is so attached, you know, and, and you know, and the opportunities for people um, like to move forward 100% is just like nearly impossible, you know, and, and it's like you don't do the crime, you do the time, that whole motto, I don't like and do not agree with that because at the end of the day, like they don't understand. Those who believe that do not understand the harm that's associated with that thinking and, and the, the harm that's associated because they're not seeing the realities of who's actually being incarcerated and who is, who is actually currently, you know, in prison. Absolutely. And, you know, I think what we're seeing with this is it's a criminalisation of poverty for people who are in a situation yeah. and, and criminalising um, and imprisoning people who are in a situation where they don't have secure housing. Uh, and as you said, with all other forms of housing that's not public housing, there are still people profiting off that as well, yeah. which is really, and as you know, as you just mentioned with the, the mentality of people who think, you know, you do the crime, you do the time kind of thing just shows how dangerously removed or or integrated into our social thinking prisons are without actually critiquing the impact on people and how you know how many people get wrapped up into the prison system um yep. for for reasons that you would hope would mortify most people yeah yeah definitely and also like you know i was just reflecting 
it's, it's not just you know the damage that the harm that's associated with women you know the mainly primary carers of children you know mothers and also a lot of women are responding to domestic violence situations and and merely survival like merely most women most of the women inside you know in prison are actually in there for survival crimes not because that's who they are innately as people you know that is they're not the only reason it's a crime is because of the fact that there's a law written around it not the fact that it's actually the behavior is not coming from you know a deviant space it's coming from the fact of being stuck <laughs> being polite um, yeah it's real interesting you know we've had lots of discussion in the last 20 months about the intersection of like race and the justice system you know with the black lives matter movement and there's lots of discussion here in melbourne when the lockdown of the towers in Flemington and Kensington happened and they sent 500 cops in there instead mm -hmm. of social workers and nurses. And I, I just wonder if you could think about, and I think you've just touched on it there, but the intersection of sexism and policing and how, you know, your being a woman impacted your interactions with, with the justice system and the police. Um, yeah, well, I was just I was, another thing I was going to add to the previous question or the, what I was saying was also the fact that this could kind of I don't know, interconnect, but with youth prisons and with the way that the system is, you know, designed for those who are, you know, ward of the states, um, you know, and, and, and young people who are in either resi care, foster care homes, you know, the 15 years ago, I remember you know, being told that I'll be get, be, you know, pretty much, they didn't say it as such, but they said I'll be locked in a room, going, pretty much going to Parkville or somewhere like that, right, um, in order to, because I kept running away from foster care, like, you know, and, and that's like a punishment because of the fact that I'm already a lost child, you know, that that that's like a, the pipeline is there, you know, how many do we know from young people end up in prison when they've experienced out-of-home care? in some capacity, you know, because, you know, and especially when the system's supposed to be acting as your parent or guardian, um, you know, all they do is punish you and lock you up when they're not actually trying to provide the support that young people are needing, you know, and it's the same thing with the women and and even men too. Like there'll be men in there who actually, you know, are incarcerated as well for because there's not the right supports or this, the money's not being funded out in, into the community. So, you know, people aren't able to access proper supports, like ongoing supports too, you know, because supports are mainly just a short-term, a lot of them are just very short-term, some very temporary, but like, you know, there's, you know, support services need to be able to be flexible, um, flexible they need to be able to be um open for longer periods not just for a short term and you know if people aren't engaging because life circumstances are happening not to take them off the books it's the same with the public housing like if somebody from my experience i was put on i put myself on the housing list when i was like 16 and then obviously i was homeless and i didn't have a stable address but i remember contacting them like two years later or a year later or something like that and i was asking if where I was on the list and they told me they took me off the list because they're trying to contact me. I'm mm. like, <laughs> you, you know, so like, what's the point in like, clearly I'm on a housing list because I don't have a stable housing and you can't expect to 
but you know i'm going to contact you when i can because obviously i know there's a waiting list but not to be taken off it because oh we sent you we sent you a letter but you didn't respond like yeah anyways it's those kind of things and that happens for so many so many people you know and you literally if you're if you're sleeping in the car or sleeping in a hotel or you're couch surfing stuff like that like you still do not become priority people in prison are not not priority they get deemed that they've got a house they've got a roof over their head so technically they're housed like Mm. the whole system is diluted (laughs) but it's actually doing what it's what's been designed to do you know and i do know that the roots underlying underneath it is obviously um you know patriarchal roots and you know colonization like all the roots of what's still seeping through society um you know and people are starting to say they're more aware but really like if there's there's more awareness like we've, we've seen that the andrews government has become like making sure that law and order is the first and foremost priority you know and and it's actually really harming it's doing more harm to the community and to the public than it actually is doing any favors or any benefits at all it's actually making the community less safer especially yeah, and you know, under the guise of keeping Victorians safe, you know, in quotes, and it's like, what what even does that mean by making so many people unsafe on this sort of fabricated idea to keep the yep. what you know to, that that appeals to a small section of the society on the youth prisons? Um, what you were talking about before, I think the you know there is a campaign at the moment to raise the age of criminal responsibility from ten to fourteen. Um, no child, no person belongs in prison, obviously, but I think the Attorney General mentioned they want to raise the age of criminal responsibility to kids to 12, um, which would basically keep 91% of kids still in prison. Um, so yeah, I just thought... it actually is, and they're actually looking at, well, I don't know where that development is, but I know that they're building another youth prison, you know. Yeah, I think Victoria, it's in Lara, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, it's really disturbing... Yeah. Yep, to see that, you know, they're continuously building and growing prisons, but not building and, you know, that they're allowing the public wait list for rehabs and detoxes and, you know, people to access mental health support or, you know, long-term housing, like it's public housing where it's 25% of somebody's income, they cannot get evicted, you know, and it's really difficult to be evicted if you were to be evicted, you know, so you, you've got permanent, stable, adequate, affordable, liter- like legitimate, affordable housing. So somebody can still, you know, make ends meet. But everyone is, as we know, like everybody deserves shelter, food, you know, warmth, safety, you know, and that's the basic normal human needs and human rights. Um, you know, without that, we're just... Like this world is so, well, society has been so ingrained to believe that these, like, I don't know, it just feels like, like literally people like robots, you know what I mean? And like, I don't know, ever since I watched The Matrix not that long ago for the first time and it just put so many things into perspective, you know, for, for me, like in regards to like I could relate because that's what it feels like the world that we live in. People need to take their goggles off. Do you know what I mean? And start seeing what is actually really going on. Mm. Um, you know, we're, we're stuck in it. Like we, if you can't see it after COVID and the way that Dan, like, you know, the Andrews government had played that whole situation out the last however long, like we were the most lockdown 
state and city in the world and everything that had happened. So how many people would have, you know, had noticed and people did start noticing what the police and the government are and can be like, you know, when they're enforcing, you know, their power, exerting their power over over everybody, the public. And people get a shared experience, you know, of, of that feeling of being locked down and, and locked up, you know, which may make them more empathetic. But, you know, to your point of taking goggles off, like it is on our previous episode, we were talking about almost every category of violent crime is, on, is decreasing in Australia, mm-hmm. and yet prison numbers are increasing dramatically and have, and have since 2000. So clearly there's an ideological addiction or ideological commitment to putting people behind bars with or without crime, it, it appears, yeah. you know, looking at, at the statistics. I, I just, you know, are there any, you know, thinking about the campaign, Homes Not Prisons, you know, we recommend all listeners go check out the website, homesnotprisons.com.au. What have you got? coming up um, and what are some of your kind of key uh, demands around this campaign? So those who are interested in wanting to, you know, be involved, um, head to the website that Jackson had mentioned and sign the open letter, um, you know, to support the campaign. The, you know, the um, idea is to stop the expansion and divert the funds into public housing and, you know, into the community because clearly prison is not a home. We know that, you know, and as you said, you know, the prison numbers, prison population is increasing while crime rates are decreasing, you know, and most people who are incarcerated are in there because of substance use and mental health issues. You know, there's more people, most people are in there because they have mental health Cognitive disabilities, you know, um, PTSD. substance dependence, PTSD, you know, the, all of it, you know, and, and homelessness, poverty, you know, like, the, it, and it's all like, as I said before, like coexisting, comorbid, it's all comorbid, comorbid can't talk right now, comorbidity, <laughs> um, you know, so it's like, it's all these factors that branch off each other. You know, prison is not the, you know, the prison is, what do you call it? It's like, Prison is the punishment, but it mm. is a punishment in itself, you know, because prison is is not like you get punished and then you come out, go to prison and you get out and then you're all, it's, oh, yeah, I've learnt my lesson. You don't. If anything, it further re-traumatises you and it, and it puts you into a, a worse off position than when you first, before you went into prison, you mm. know. It's, it's really disturbing. It's the prison industrial complex, which is exactly what... Um, needs to be abolished and you know and i'm standing by you know abolition views because we know prisons do not work mm-hmm. um you know and this is what the campaign's you know um fighting for is the fact that moving away from you know prisons and moving into community you mm-hmm. know and, and the fact is yeah like we know that victoria is actually so i feel like are we meant to be getting off soon is that we we are running out of time. You're reading our facial expressions. We are we are speaking on Zoom for our listeners right now as well. And Sarah saw our panicked faces looking towards the clock. But it is um yeah, you're right. We need to respond to the you know, the actual causes that you've just listed. 
you know, previously there, poverty and mental health and drug addiction, you know, rather than just locking these problems away. But, hey, thank you so much for joining us on the radio today. Really appreciate it. And, yeah, all listeners, um, yeah, get involved, sign the online letter. Um, And, yeah, hopefully we can be talking again about a big public housing investment in the near future. That would be amazing. (laughs) Thanks awesome. so much, Thank Sarah. Thank you, Jackson and Mercedes. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you. So that was Sarah. And my name is Jackson. James obviously wasn't here today. He was uh, flat out. Um, thanks, Mercedes. Um, nice of you to join me. And we'll be back in a fortnight's time. And we'll go out with a little bit of music from Shane Howard. Everything can be replaced Yet every distance is not near Still I remember every face Of every man who put me You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.